A few years ago, my friend Marco Brown, who's a great divorce and custody lawyer, he was talking a lot about niches. And he was advocating for very specific niches, meaning, you know, defining who you help and, and being really specific about that and then committing to that. And it got me thinking, am I specific enough in my niche? I generally describe myself as a criminal defense lawyer. Is that specific enough? So I just gave him a call and asked him and his advice was to be much more specific. And it just got me thinking about how do you decide what the perfect sort of size niche is? Should I be ultra, ultra focused? Would that have some good benefits for my business? Or would it cut off opportunities by making it so that no one, no one refers to me because they think I don't do anything that they could refer to me? Conventional wisdom about niches, it sounds helpful. It sounds inspiring. Like, oh, you should be specific. But how specific? And how specific is too specific? And how broad is too broad? It's a little bit difficult to define. So as I've been thinking about it since, what I've come to feel and understand is that the goal of your niche size is to help your referral partners create a habit of referring to you. So the goal of niche size isn't to satisfy somebody's you know platonic ideal of what the ideal niche size is. It's what is the niche size that helps my referral partners create a habit of referring to me. And the habit's really important because it's way easier to get somebody who has referred to you once. It's way easier to get them to refer to you more times than it is to get somebody brand new to refer to you. It just is. It's been my experience. There's tons of statistics to support that. And so if our niche size makes that more difficult or it's an obstacle to that, then it's the wrong niche size. Um, and if it's helping us do that, then it's the right niche size. So, the, so there's not like sort of an ideal niche size for everyone. It's what is the niche size that will help your referral partners create a habit of referring to you. Now, repeatable behaviors, and you, know, you can kind of look at uh, Charles Duhigg's book, the Power of Habit, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. But a habit happens when a behavior has an obvious cue, the behavior is attractive, easy to do, and satisfying. Those are the four ingredients. We want to make it obvious, we want to make it attractive, we want to make it easy, and we want to make it satisfying. And the obvious piece is kind of the first part where niche comes in. So if you tell somebody, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing criminal defense and I'm doing some bankruptcy and I'm doing some civil litigation and every now and then I'm doing a divorce here or there, it's not obvious to your referral partner when they should refer to you. So it's harder for them to start that sort of habit loop that James Clear talks about. It's not obvious what's the trigger, what's the thing that's going to say, if you hear these key words, then you need to think about referring to me. So a niche is helpful when it makes that cue obvious. And then it's attractive. A lot of times I've thought that in order to get referral partners, I need to pay referral fees. That's what's going to make it attractive. Why, why else would they refer it to me and not just do the work themselves? But as I have grown and learned in my practice, there's lots of things that I don't know how to do. I have no interest in learning how to do. There's, no, there's almost no fee that would make that you know, worthwhile. So when I'm referring, it's attractive because I'm solving this client's problem. The client is happy with me because I've helped them solve it, even though I didn't have to learn the complexities of antitrust law or whatever I'm referring out. We need to make it easy. Clearing the obstacles to doing something is a lot of times easier than pushing somebody to do something. 
So make it super easy. If there's a cell phone number you can give them, if there's a, just like make it super clear. Don't give them 10 ways to do it. Give them one simple way to do it. But then if they suggest a different way, maybe be okay with that. So it's gotta be obvious, it's gotta be attractive, it's gotta be easy, and then it's gotta be satisfying. And satisfying means that the client that they refer to you has a great experience. And it enriches the relationship between the person who sent the referral and the client. So they now have a better relationship because they recommended you. And you can't fulfill that promise of fortifying their relationship, enriching their relationship, if you're not doing something that you're really good at. And what's nice about niches is it's way easier to get good at one specific thing than to get good at everything. I mean, it's just way simpler. It's a much easier problem to solve. So we want to make it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. And all of that is from the perspective, not of the client, not of us, but from the perspective of the referral partner. Is it easy for them to refer to us? So going back to the conversation that I had with my friend Marco, I think we disagreed slightly about you know how specific you ought to be. But something that I've learned since then is that to make the cue, the trigger obvious, it's easiest to use a a category that already exists in my referral partner's head. So if they don't really know what criminal defense law is, then I've got to educate them first about the concept of criminal defense law and then explain that's what I do and tell them when to refer to me. That's, that's much, much more difficult than just using a category that's already there. And of course, most people know what a criminal defense lawyer is, but if I was more specific and I said, I'm a criminal defense lawyer who does sexual assault cases that are likely to go to trial for clients who have immigration issues and are not citizens of the United States. Like that's a lot of stuff to remember for someone who maybe doesn't know that area super well. So if I'm talking to my aunt's cousin at some family party and she says, oh, what do you do? And I, I give that detailed and niche, you know, super, super specific niche, that, that's going to be difficult for her to remember, difficult for it to be a trigger for her. It's just, I've just made it hard. I haven't made it easy. I haven't made it obvious. At the same time, though, if I'm talking to my friend who's a DUI lawyer and I say, I help people who are charged with sexual assault whose cases are likely to go to trial and they are not U.S. citizens, that might be a category that already exists in his brain. And he may go, oh, thank you so much. And remember that and refer those to me. So your niche needs to be often a category that already exists in the other person's head. It's way easier to be good at one thing than to be good at everything. So the other thing that I've learned is that you don't need to express the niche the same way to everyone or even have the same niche with everyone. So I could imagine an attorney or a law firm that did criminal defense and personal injury and divorce. And my recommendation to that person would be If you're talking to someone, pick the one of those that you think is going to be most relevant to this person. So if they're a divorce lawyer and you like to co-counsel divorce cases, talk about how your practice is focused on divorce. If you don't want to do co-counsel on divorce cases, but you do want divorce lawyers to refer you criminal cases, talk about that. So you don't have to say the same thing to everyone. But again, the challenge there is then you got to get good at those three things or your, your firm or your company has to become good at all those three things. The other thing to think about is that you don't have to express the same niche the same way to everyone you talk to. So someone who has more exposure to your practice area, you might be more specific because that's a category that already exists in their head while being a little bit broader to someone else. 
And you might say, well, then they're going to refer me, you know, the DUI and I don't do DUIs. Well, you can re-refer that person. You can tell the person, look, you know, I'm really busy on this trial, but here's somebody who does DUIs really well. And it hasn't cost you that much more time. And you, you fulfilled your commitment to the referral partner because you took care of that person, but you got them to the right person. So in that sense, I think sometimes an overbroad niche can be okay if it's if it's the best niche category that exists in your referral partner's mind, that's okay. And um, we can always re-refer. We're not being dishonest if we're not as specific with some people as others. Again, we're just trying to use the category and the terminology that they already know and are familiar with instead of having to spend 20 minutes explaining the difference between a criminal defense attorney and a prosecutor to your cousin's aunt. It's too much work. We're gonna use whatever category is already there. So having talked about that, then the question becomes, okay, what is the ideal size? For me, here are a few factors that I think about. My, the first factor I think about is, is this a niche that's small enough that I can become great at it? I wanna be, I wanna keep redefining the niche until it's so specific that I can really dominate that thing. And again, I may not tell everyone how specific I'm trying to be, but if I don't know how to do anything in criminal defense and I decide, look, I'm just gonna start with DUIs, that could be great. And then if you get a felony case that you don't feel comfortable with, you refer it out, you do a co-counsel deal or whatever, but you're really focused at getting good at this one relatively narrow thing. And then once you get competent and then maybe even expert at that, then you can expand if you want to or shift it slightly or be more specific or less specific. But it's the first question is sort of, is this a game I can win? Is this a battle I can win? Is it small enough that I can be great at this thing? So that's number one. Number two, again, we talked about, is this a category that already exists in my referral partner's mind? If it's not, then I've got to find a way to put it into their language. Because again, the goal is to have them start a habit loop. They can't start a habit loop if the cue is clear to me, but not clear to them. So I have to put it in that the niche into their terms. So it's got to be something that already exists in their mind and is close enough. Third, you have to think about whether the niche is big enough to support you. And I used to think, well, it's always big enough. It's always big enough. But with the way lawyer licensing works, if you're only licensed in... Wyoming and the one town close to you has 40,000 people in it and then it's a three-hour drive to the next town, then it might be difficult to find a niche that you can win at that has enough work in it, right? And uh, I had, so I had a lawyer who reached out to me and asked, you know, is this niche too narrow? And I think he lived in Wyoming or Montana or, or a relatively small state like that. So I gave him just like a quick exercise. I just said, you know, look up the court calendar for, you know, the main court that you'd be working in and try to get a couple of weeks of it and just kind of count the cases from the busiest lawyer in that, on that, on those calendars. Non-public defender, obviously, like private counsel that had retained clients. And whatever number of cases it is, you know, write that down and then make kind of an educated guess about what the fees might be in those cases and then that's sort of your best case scenario. That person might be 10 or 15 or 20 years ahead of you. That's your best case scenario. And if that's a number that you feel great about or it's 10 times greater than what you think, then yes, it's plenty big. If you're like, oh my goodness, the, the most busy person in my market is only doing $40,000 a year in revenue, then we, we need to probably expand the geography we serve or we need to expand the types of cases we work on. Um, because again, it's not about is this the platonic idea of a niche? The question is, is it a niche that is going to support your business? And is it a niche that's going to make it easy for people to refer to you? 
So that's a rough way to kind of gauge market size. It's possible that you're going to you know, get 30% market share. I don't know anyone in, in my area that has 30% market share, but uh, it's possible that you'll be an outlier. And uh, if that's kind of exciting to you and you want to try that, that's fine. But that, that might be a way to kind of get an upper bound, you know. So is the category big enough that it already, that it can support my business? That's a really important question. Again, if it's slightly too large, that's okay because you can always refer out. If it's way too small, then you're going to spend all this energy mastering a way to serve a market that's just too small to support your business. So we've got to be careful about that. But most people I see do too big of a niche, not too small of a niche. But it's, it's worth being aware that there is a niche that's too small. The next question that I would have is, are at least some people highly motivated to solve this problem? So if I'm doing DUIs and the penalties in my area for DUIs are so small and insignificant that nobody is really motivated, then I might be the best in the world at DUIs. It's just not motivating enough that, that there's people that are willing to pay me what I would need to operate my business. Like sometimes the price of a commodity or of a good becomes so low that it's not profitable to keep making it. And when that happens, we, you know, we're not entitled to a niche. We're not entitled to be successful in some area. We might need to expand or broaden or pivot or shift to something else. One of the biggest questions I ask early in my potential client consultations is help me understand what it would mean to solve this problem. If, if they're like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I want to get off the phone as quickly as possible. Like no offense to them. I don't, I'm not offended. It's just not that important to them. And I'm not going to try to convince them that it's important. It doesn't mean that every single person who gets charged with a crime or this type of crime has to think it's life or death, but at least some people. So like I've done some pretty lucrative traffic cases, but I don't like advertise for speeding tickets because there's not really a good way for me to make money off of those. So for me, it's usually I do speeding tickets for commercial drivers whose livelihood, you know, $200,000 a year trucking business depends on them not having this on their record, you know? So for that person, it's very motivating. But for a lot of other people, they just pay the $80 fine or whatever and go along with their life. The last one that I would add is whether the size of the niche best serves the client. So if me focusing on criminal makes it so that I can be way better at criminal than if I also did civil litigation, that serves the client and that's a good thing and we should do it. If being more specific hurts the client and makes it more complicated and more difficult to use my services, then I should probably broaden the niche or make the niche more narrow so that it can best serve the client. So like an example is something that I've done more in the past and do less now is crimmigration, quote unquote. So criminal and immigration. For some of my clients, the solution to the criminal case has huge impact on their immigration status. And if I can solve the criminal case, but not the immigration case, then they don't care. And so it doesn't always mean that both of those things need to be provided in the same firm and in the same way. Like it's possible that you could just say, hey, you know, for whenever there's an immigration issue, we co-counsel with this firm, you know, we have a deal with them where we pay them a portion of our fee. And, and so you can provide the same service without necessarily trying to personally build the expertise for both things. But if I'm offering criminal and immigration to the same client and they have both problems, it might be better for them to come to one person who can manage the whole problem than to try to find two separate people and get them to coordinate and pay separate fees and things like that. So solving the whole problem can be helpful. So if it's a category that exists in their mind, in the client's mind, and and 
it would be of more service to the client to broaden it, then that might be a great case for broadening the niche. It doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be small. So, you know, I started out by saying a lot of the advice around niches is not very helpful. It sounds helpful. Yeah, we should be a specialist. Doctors who are specialists make more money. You know, that's all nice, but it makes it hard to decide what size actually works. And what I would love to do is to be able to say, this is the size that works for everyone. Everyone should niche in this way. Well, everybody's situation is a little bit different, but hopefully by understanding the goal, it's easier to understand whether a niche experiment is worth trying and has a chance of succeeding or whether it's just a bad idea from the beginning. And again, the goal of a niche is to have a niche that's specific enough that it helps and makes it easier for our clients to refer to us and for us to give them a great experience and a great result. So when we can do that, that's a successful niche. And if if the niche size we have makes it so that we're bad at it because we're trying to do too many things or it's confusing to referral partners when they should refer to us and when they shouldn't, then that's those are times when it's time to adjust the niche and see if we can uh, make it cleaner. So I hope that helps and, and good luck in choosing what kinds of problems you're going to solve for your clients. And I hope you do a great job at it and that you can take great care of your clients.